All right. It seems like it has been a very long time since we've been in Proverbs, but that's where we are on Sunday nights in our regular time together. And so let's uh, get our Bibles out. And uh, tonight I'm going to try to cover two subjects. One is the subject of surety and the other is that of desire. And uh, for those that are new, we've went through the first uh, 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs, verse by verse. There are many more uh, larger pa- uh, portions that connected together. We got to verse 11, and, and uh, I mean chapter 10, and it started getting very tedious because we were changing the subject almost every verse. And so what we are doing is we're covering uh, the book of Proverbs by topic and just putting the verses together. And uh, we probably have covered two-thirds of the book of Proverbs at this time. And uh, so we'll probably have uh, several more topics yet that we haven't. And then we have uh, the virtuous woman and uh, the kings and different things that are toward the end of the book of Proverbs. And then a couple more lessons. So we'll probably be in this uh, probably right up to the missions conference But uh, the first one, turn to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 15. And we'll try to uh, go through this as we can. The idea of suretyship in verse 11 says, I mean, verse 15 of chapter 11 says, He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. Turn over just to Proverbs 17 and 18. Chapter 17, verse 18 says very similar uh, words. It says, A man void of understanding striketh hands and becometh surety in the presence of his friend. Now, this idea of suretyship, it is guaranteeing Someone else's loan. I mean, today uh, we have loans and many times if you do not have enough collateral or enough credit on your own, someone else uh, will sign that for you. And this is not saying that you never do that, but it's saying you, if you guarantee a stranger, now the idea of a stranger is simply someone who was not Jewish is the basic idea here. Uh, This is talking about uh, a business deal, uh, would be a very similar thing to this. Today, I've known many uh, Christians who own businesses, and they say, well, listen, we've just got to make this deal. You don't understand. When you go into business with somebody who does not believe what you believe, you can get yourself into a whole heap of trouble because cheating on your income tax, no big deal to an unsaved person. It ought to be a big deal to a Christian. And you get into a business deal with someone and they're cheating on their taxes, guess who's going to go to jail? You are because you're the honest one. And you, that's simply what this verse is talking about. He that is surety for a stranger 
shall smart for it. I've known people that have stories of people, I, I don't know them personally, that have invested money and they said, well, this guy told me it was a sure thing and all this, and all of a sudden they find out that they're supporting Philip Morris and the big tobacco company and all kinds of things, uh, beer companies and all that stuff that they would never want their money going to. You're going, it's going to hurt you. It's, it says you're going to smart for it. That means you're going to have pain inflicted. It says he that hateth suretyship is sure. It says a man void of understanding. Don't just be willing to guarantee other people. Now, there are times when it's a friend, a family member, that you, you might extend yourself in this way. But, and again, they did not live in a day when, like when we do today, but be very careful about this. Now, there's two more verses that go on and almost seem to uh, turn this thing the other way. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 16 says, uh, I'll give you a moment there. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 16, and it says, Take his garment, that is surety for a stranger, and take of him, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Now, it just said, don't be sure, don't be involved in suretyship and hate this. And then it says, take the garment, because oftentimes people, uh, all they had was their outer cloak. If they were in that kind of a situation where there was no capital, they would say, listen, uh, can I borrow uh, enough money to buy food to today and I'm going to leave my my mantle, I'm going to leave my garment here in, in uh, uh, guarantee of that loan. And the Bible says that if somebody guaranteed that way for a stranger, take it. You know why? Because we go back to the other thing. If you're foolish enough to disregard God's word and become surety for a stranger you should lose what you put up for a stranger. Do you follow me on that? What, this is a, attacking the same idea from a, from a different angle. And in Proverbs twenty-seven thirteen, it says basically the same thing. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. As a believer in Christ, you have no business guaranteeing the world. That's what this verse... And if you do, expect to lose whatever you put up. Just expect to. And don't feel sorry for yourself and don't feel sorry for the person who has done this because, again, we're talking... A stranger was a person who was not a Jew living among the Jews. You look up the word strange woman in the Bible, and again, that has immoral connotations, that she was willing to be with men other than her husband. That's why she is strange, is because she is not known. She's not supposed to be there. 
You know, as a believer in Christ, you have no business involving yourself in those kind and those type of transactions. And if you do, expect to lose. And don't feel sorry. I mean, there's been some times I've watched people make decisions and I, and I say, as a pastor, I don't think that this is a good thing to do. And, and, and they'll say, but pastor, I believe it's right and they'll do it. And, and I'm sorry. I'm not going to feel... I, I, I'm not going to shed any tears over that kind of foolishness. That's what the book of Proverbs says. Because you should lose something. It should cause you pain. And it says, Be thou not one of them of strike hands, or them that are sureties for debts. That's Proverbs 22, 26. And these are all the verses in Proverbs after chapter 10 that deal with this idea of surety. You know, there are people that are just willing to borrow or barter or try to turn a buck on anything. You ever met people like that? Hey, yeah, yeah, you need five bucks for today. Uh, I'll loan you five bucks and you give me six back tomorrow. I'll tell you what, that's what suretyship is. Don't be so willing just because you can get the credit to use it. That's what this verse is talking about. There is nothing wrong. You're not sinning against God if you buy uh, buying a piece of property or a car and you make your payments on that vehicle. That's not what this verse is talking about. Some people have tried to take the Bible and say, you can't borrow money for anything. No, that's not what it says. What it's talking about here, the idea here is, there are people that are always willing to trying to turn another dollar, trying to gain some interest and if you, want to, if you want to see something terrible, ask for an amateurization chart next time you take a loan. How many people know what I'm talking about? That is the piece of paper that shows you all the interest you're paying. It will make you sick. Do you realize on a 30-year loan, you are paying for whatever you're paying for. You're paying for it at least twice. And usually, uh, if your interest rate is over 7%, you're paying for it three times. So you buy a house on 30 years at 7.5% interest, and your house cost you uh, $500,000, you're paying $1.5 million for that house. No, no, I'm only... No. <laughs> yeah, that, that surety ship gets in there and that's why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Now, it doesn't say never borrow money, but don't just run out there and be eager to sign your name on a piece of paper just because you can sign your name on a piece of paper. The, that's what this verse is talking about. Don't be all those ones, hey, give me a hand, let's shake on it, you know. And uh, because we don't know what the future is going to hold. And we better be careful. That's, that's what 
Solomon is saying here with this surety thing. And it's, it's never spoken of in a positive manner in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says that if you're loaning to uh, a fellow Christian, uh, the precedent is in the law that you were to loan without interest, that you were to just let them borrow the money and pay back. And if you can't do that, maybe you ought to think about not doing it at all. Now, if you're trying to invest in the world, be careful because sometimes people will borrow money and then they don't pay it back. And what are you going to do? So be, be very careful with your finances. That's all this is talking about. You can get yourself obligated. Uh, one of the greatest problems we have with our economy today here in the United States is what is called the futures market. How many of you are familiar with what that is? What that is is basically this stuff right here. You're buying uh, $100. We'll keep the numbers down. I mean, they're much usually much larger than this. You buy $100 of gold hoping that the price is going to go up. And if the price goes up, well, then you might get $500 of gold back. But if the price doesn't go up, then you lose the money you put up. And that is why we have such inflated prices is because there's always somebody making a fortune by leveraging this item. Well, where does that money come from? That's what drives the prices up. Because you can't manufacture money. The government prints it. But it's got to be based on something. Someday, somebody's got to pay for that. And you get yourself leveraged and involved in all that kind of stuff. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to smart for it. You're going to lose things. And the Bible says, don't, just don't go there. Don't go there. Because... If you can't pay for it, don't do it. Now, how many people can pay cash for a $300,000 house? That's not what we're talking about. But don't buy the house if you can't make the payments. Amen? Don't buy the house on the hope so of an investment coming in and a hope so that the price is going to go up because the prices haven't gone up in a long time. And people get messed up when they make a deal based on something that's going to happen. And that's what surety is all about. It's not just the simple borrowing of money so that you can, but it's this idea of trying to turn a profit, trying to make it work, trying to turn, uh, as one famous politician did, uh, what was it, took $10,000 and turned it into $100,000 on the futures market. Somebody famous did that a while back. You know what that's called? It's called insider trading. Usually you go to jail for that. But because you're a politician, you don't. Now listen, here's what the Bible says, be not one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. Take it carefully. This is what the Bible says. And Proverbs is the wisdom of Solomon. 
listen. He knows. He's going to help us. Now, the next one I'd like for us to look at, next subject, is the word desire. Now, desire is a good thing. I don't know if you've ever been to a point in your life where you just didn't have any desire, no, no wish. No, That's a pretty dead place to be. You really don't want to affect the Bible. We'll get to the verse in a few minutes. Desire is a tree of life. It's one of the things that God has put in the human soul to keep you going and to help you endure the difficulty of today so that you can see that desire fulfilled tomorrow. It's a good thing. It's not just bad. But we're going to start with the bad and then go to the good, all right? Because there's an awful lot the Bible says about wicked desires, about what the wicked desireth. In Proverbs chapter 12, and we're just going to work our way through the book, so get to Proverbs chapter 12, and we're just going to go forward here, looking at several verses. It says, The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. It says, The wicked desireth the net of evil men. Now, the idea of this is that the um, the wicked person wants others to the phrase that we would use. I'm trying to be careful here. Is to get theirs. How many of you remember the politic uh, the Occupy Wall Street people. We're tired of the rich because they've all stolen. They're the 1% and they have this. I'm part of the 99% and they ought to give us everything they have. Well, that's pretty stupid now, isn't it? You see, the wicked desireth the net of evil men. They want those rich people to get caught and have to pay and they get so happy when the government catches uh, Bill Gates or one of those guys and finds him all that money. Uh, Excuse me, how are you enriched if the government finds that rich cat and takes money from him? Does that help you? Uh, Let me explain something to you. What it does is it drives up the cost of everything you're trying to buy. Because the government only takes... It's a wicked person that desires someone else to lose what they have because you don't have it. And unfortunately, that mentality has become almost a plank in American society today. You know what? Not every rich person is rich because they stole from somebody. That's not the way it works. It's the rich people that own the company that hires your services so that you have a job. That's not a bad thing. And what has happened in this country over the years until just recently here is as the rich got richer, so did everybody else. Now, as I look out over our crowd here tonight, we don't have too many... Um, We don't have anyone here that would remember this time period, but you go back into the 40s and the 30s, 
Who owned cars? Only really well-to-do people owned cars. You, you had to be rich to own a car. And at 17 cents a gallon, gas was more expensive then than it is today. Because 17 cents in 1930 bought a whole lot more than the $4 that you have today. In fact, your daily wages was a dollar a day. So imagine having to spend uh, 20% of your daily wage to buy a gallon of gas. Hasn't gotten that bad yet, now has it? But you know what? Almost anyone that wants to own a car today can own one. You know why? Because the rich are paying salaries to people and you have to have a higher skill level so they have to pay more money and so you're able to go out and purchase. Don't allow this. The wicked desireth the net of evil men. It says, but the root of righteous, the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Here's the... The other thing is you can go out into the sea and cast a net and pull in a whole bunch of fish, maybe, if you do it right, if you know where the fish are. How long does it take to grow a fruit tree that produces fruit? It takes a lot more effort, doesn't it? It takes a lot longer time but it's the root of the righteous being still and standard. That's what produces fruit that lasts rather than just trying to get the catch for the moment. That's the idea. It's not saying that fishing is bad, but the idea of going out and bringing in a huge sum here. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. How many people do you know that think that they ought to have? Fill in the blank. But they don't do anything. It says the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I'll tell you what, you can still earn things by working for them. Now Proverbs 18 and verse 1 is one that may may be a little difficult. And I've read this uh, the wrong way many times and heard a preacher preach on it at one of the fellowship meetings and boy, it surely made a lot of sense. It says, through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. It says, through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, first of all, to understand this, where in the Bible does it tell us to separate ourselves from the children of God? You've answered the question. You're not to separate from the children of God. You're to separate from the world. Amen? But have you ever met someone that just had to know everything about everything? You know what? you got to give up 
Let me tell you the story of a man. He gave up supporting his family. He gave up everything good. So he could seek and intermeddle with all wisdom. And you know what he wrote? Das Kapital. That is the book of the communist philosophy. His name was Karl Marx. He was a bum. He refused to feed his own family. But he had all the knowledge that would straighten out the whole world if they would only listen to his book. You see, that idea of seeking and intermeddling means that I take all this wisdom and I synthesize it and I put together and I make it fit the way I want it to fit. That's what intermeddling is. You're not supposed to intermeddle wisdom. You're supposed to obey it. You don't have to separate yourself to seek wisdom when you submit yourself to the wisdom that's contained in God's Word. But everybody that has a new book, I made a million dollars in the stock market, I'm going to give you my secret. How many of you heard those advertisements? Number one, if he actually made a million dollars in the stock market, I want to know how many million it cost him to make it. Because if he could take a hundred dollars and make a million dollars with it, why would he waste the time to tell you about it? Why would he waste the effort to write it in a book that he'll give you for free because he wants you to buy something because he's going to make $10 million from you buying his stupid book and papers. That's the idea of separating themselves. I am the all-knowing one. I am the grand guru. I have studied all of this and I can give you the, the information that you need. Hey, wicked desire will make you set yourself up above others and try to tell them how to live, and all of this stuff, and it's just going to get you in trouble. Proverbs 21.10 says, The soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. Listen, you meet somebody that's not serving God and doesn't care about anything of the Bible and says, yay, we're good friends, but that, that Bible stuff, just leave it alone. Hey, stay away from that person. You know why? It says here that the soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. That person has to choose between their personal advancement and your destruction. Guess who loses? Stay away from the wicked man. He has no problem hurting you. That's what this verse is talking about here. This is wicked desire and what it's going to produce. 21.25 says, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Let's turn to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23 And verses 6 through 8 says, Eat 
thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. You know what? The world offers a lot of fantastic things, don't they? Hey, it says, don't eat the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Now, that's not talking about someone that goes around looking at you like that, okay? That's not an evil eye. An evil eye is an eye that looks for evil. It's an eye that sees evil as good. And they offer the best that there is. It says, don't eat his dainties. Don't, don't partake. One of the things that the drug dealers do in the neighborhoods they drive up in their fancy cars and their expensive clothes and their jewelry all over the place and say, how's it feel to be a beggar, little kid? And they suck them into selling drugs for them. That's what this verse is talking about right here. Don't desire his dainties. Because when it goes down, you're the one that's going to jail, not the big fancy drug dealer in the fancy car. But there's a city, I can't remember where exactly it is or the name of it, down there in um, Dominican Republic where they bury the drug dealers in their BMWs. And the, the city cemetery is full of people who died up here in the United States selling drugs. Don't desire to be a mobster. Don't desire those things. The Bible says it's going to come back. Proverbs 24 verse 1 says, Be not thou envious against the evil man, neither desire to be with them. Have you ever heard the phrase, money breeds money? Rub shoulders with the rich people, maybe a little bit of it will rub off. I mean, these are things that people talk about all the time. The Bible says, don't envy evil men and don't desire to be with them. Because if you do, the next step is learning their evil ways. Now, these are all the negative things about desire. Let's get the positive things, amen? Proverbs chapter 11, and we're just going to work our way back through here. Now, this sets the standard for desire here. Proverbs eleven twenty three, it says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Now, stop and think about that. The desire of the righteous is only good. How many of you have ever done something you expected to get in trouble for? You know what the Bible says? The expectation of the wicked is wrath. If you're desiring something that is not good, if you're desiring something that could come back and bring wrath upon you, 
The Bible says you're on the wrong side of this desire, my friend. It says the righteous only desireth good. And there's only one good. That's God. If your desire is leading you towards something, you say, well, I sure hope I don't get caught. That's the expectation of wrath. The Bible says that's a wicked desire. Get rid of it. You want a good desire, it's going to be good. And the only way you can measure good is what's written down in this book called the Bible. Everything we have. There's so many things. It's all built. The entire advertising world is built on trying to attract your desire. Isn't that true? Hey, if it's not good, understand, it's evil. Desire is going to lead you to the object of the desire. It just, that's the way it's made. You desire God, you'll be fine. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Look at this one very closely. This is a, a, a verse you need to memorize. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. I mean, chapter 13, verse 12. There we go. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, what is it? It is a tree of life. You know what? God will make you desire the right things. How many of you have ever been disappointed to the depth of your soul. I mean, just hope your hope was deferred. You, you thought something was going to happen very good and it just turned backwards on you. The Bible says it, it makes the heart sick. But if you want a cure for a sick heart, you get God's desire and it's a tree of life. It's going to give you something to live for. And it's something that we need. Look at verse 19 of the same chapter. It says, The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. Definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing, hoping for a different result. How many of you have heard that? It's an abomination for fools to depart from doing the same wicked thing. They cannot believe. I think I've told the story of Joe, a a man uh, I worked with. He was just a couple years older than me. And I worked at a service station. And boy, he'd come staggering in. And I mean, just couldn't hardly see. Must have had a great time last night. He said, why? He said, because I feel so rotten today. He said, the worse I feel in the morning, the better time I know I must have had the night before. I'm looking at this guy and I'm saying, let's get out the dictionary and put his picture in front of the word stupid, right? I mean, come on. Yet, Here's what Solomon said. He said, the desire accomplished is sweet. How many of you have ever 
Well, maybe I'll pick on Brother Franz and Miss Sonia. Aren't you glad you waited? Till God brought you together? I mean, there was some time there where you thought nothing was ever going to happen. You're going to have to become a priest or something, right? But let me tell you, when you wait on the Lord, sure is sweet. He better say amen. But you know what? It's abomination for fools to stop doing the bar scene and committing immorality over and over and over and over and over again. They can't stop. The desire of a man is his kindness. Proverbs 19 and verse 22. You want to define kindness in your heart. What is it that you desire? Do you desire good things for other people? Do you desire when something good happens in your life that other people benefit from that goodness? Or are you one of those ones that hoping everybody gets there so you can finally have something for yourself? Uh, it, uh, it says the desire of a man is his kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. It's better to be poor and desire the right things than to have to lie about yourself. The, Bible, the Proverbs says the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. You know, there are people whose desire is only evil. The Bible says that's their kindness. That's as kind as they're going to get. The desire of a man is his kindness. What do you desire? Do you desire something that's going to please you? Or do you desire something that's going to help others? If you're not kind in your desire, you got the wrong kind of desire. Amen? Last one. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. Now somebody says, Ah, oh, that means to be a miser, right? Wrong. There are other verses that talk about that. It says, He withholdeth more than his want is rich, and he that tries to save everything is poor. But listen, there are things to be desired. Where are they? In the dwelling of the wise. If you desire wisdom and obedience to God, what's going to happen? God's going to bless you. Does that mean you're going to be rich and famous and have all the money you want? No. But what it means is the things you have will be worth something. People have their homes and their bank accounts full of worthless things, do they not? How many people just a few years ago lost everything on Wall Street because that valuable piece of paper, that stock certificate they were holding, all of a sudden was worthless. That dot-com bubble that came along, there were people that owed more in their income tax because their stock went up so high than they made that year 
because the stock became worthless in the same year. How many of you remember that? And, and guess what? They had to pay income tax because they made that money and they lost it all in the same year. Hey, there's a treasure to be desired in oil in the dwelling of the wise. It's the foolish person that's out there spending everything trying to enjoy today. Wisdom tells us to lay up our treasures where? In heaven. Where the IRS can't tax it. Amen? I believe in offshore investment. (laughs) And you know what? They can pass all the laws they want in Congress, but they can't tax what I have in heaven. Because God's not going to pay them. Amen? Listen, I, I don't want to be tedious tonight, but these are two things, surety and desire, that affect the way you live your life every day. You can be one of those persons that's always out there trying to turn a few extra bucks, trying to shake hands, trying to make a deal here, make a deal there. I'm going to take a dollar and make two with it and take two and make four. And before long, I'll be the richest man in the world. Uh, No, I think somebody's going to stop you long before you get there. And if they don't, what difference does it matter if your soul's not right with God? Desire is a wonderful thing. But how many people have given their lives to evil desires? It's not hard. It says, every man did that which was right in their own eyes. You don't get up in the morning and say, how can I do something wrong today? You think it's right. But if your desires aren't connected to the wisdom and to the truth that's in God's word, your desires are going to lead you in a wrong way and you're not going to be able to stop it. That's what the Bible says. And you can check your desires. Are they kind? Just stop, get out a piece of paper and say, if I could have anything I wanted, if, what, am I, what am I going to do with my life? What could I do? Let me write that down, what I want. I'll tell you, I have two great desires. I want my kids to serve God. And I want this church to go forward for his name. That's what I've lived my life for. I think I'm a rich man. I'll tell you. I get to pastor this church. I've seen other churches. I'm glad I'm here. And if you think I'm mad at you, I'm not. But I want you to do right. Amen? I want to help you. And we're going to struggle together till Jesus comes back. And we're going to see God do some wonderful things. Because He wants to use His church to get things done. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer tonight. We ask that you would teach us through your word.
Lord, that you would make us mindful, that you would help us just to take a few moments and just spot check our desires. Make sure they're in agreement with your word. Make sure that they're kind. Lord, we just ask that you would work that we may glorify thee. Before I finish that prayer, maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart.